You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger. It is Thursday, the 2nd of June. We had a week off last week due to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Bad pain days, sick, to, scheduling, everything, you name it. It just wasn't going to happen. And we are a little bit late this week. But that's because you had a hell of a nice weekend. And I got to tell you, the cutest picture I have seen now in weeks has not been actually of my granddaughter. It's freaking <laughs> your girlfriend looking up at the Hulk at that comic shop. That is the most adorable picture I've ever seen of her. She's like, here, take a picture of me. And I'm like, okay, turn around. She's like, no. Just like this. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> There's what, which, um, what is that? Tate's you said? Yeah. Comic book shop. There's a massive, massive Hulk statue for people who've never been in there, which includes myself. And it's for sale, you know, only $10,000. Is it really? 10000 yeah. Oh my God. And so Alicia took a picture with her looking up at it. And I mean, she goes up to what his like navel, if that kind Maybe. of thing. Yeah, it's massive. So it made for just a fantastic picture. Is that the comic book shop that's close to where you live or did you guys travel out to go? It, it's it's not close enough to visit regularly, but yeah, it's it's the big local shop. Right. That's awesome. We were in there for a solid three hours. <laughs> it pretty much encourages you to spend a lot of money. Because even just from the pictures that I saw, I was like, oh, my God, I would be in there forever and I would leave with far too many trinkets <laughs> and statues and comics and you name it. So, yeah, no, it was freaking awesome. Is it sad that that's what I'm going to miss most about leaving Florida? The comic book shop? <laughs> well, certainly not the freaking gators. <laughs> Jesus. If you haven't seen, there's a video of a massive gator on a golf course that just came out a couple of days ago. Anyways, we often talk about submissions and how we love hearing from people. And if they are interested in sending us, whether it's something to read that they enjoyed or didn't and just want to hear us argue, which let's be honest, is part of the fun. Or if it's actually something that they have worked on and they'd like us to to review essentially. And whenever anybody comes to me with such a request, I always tell them, listen, we're if you've listened to our podcast, you know we're brutally honest. That's not gonna change just because you're a nice person. <laughs> we'll be it won't be an attack on your person, but we're gonna be there'll be a lot of constructive criticism if it warrants it kind of thing. And so when I got this this submission, I told the person this and they said, not a problem. Like this is, we, we would love for you to, to look at this work and, and, uh, and if you have any thoughts or whatever, let us know. And if you'd like to even have us on the show for an interview, then let us know. The series is called the shepherd. It's called, it's uh it's written by Andrea Lorenzo Molinari and he credits his son as helping him as well with it. And the pencils and inks are by Ryan Showers and the colors by Heather Breckel. And the colors are actually spectacular in this, I will mm -hmm. say. When I got the series initially, when he was emailing me, Andrea, he was saying, it's very important that you read the essays, the little mini essays that are in each issue because he sent me the trade, the first trade. And like, if that's going to be a problem, well, then 
I mean, it's it's fairly important. And I was like, are you kidding? Have you listened to any <laughs> of our stuff? Like, trust me, when we talk about Wayward, our enjoyment of the comic is like, you know, equal to sometimes the freaking mm-hmm. essays in there. Same as with Bitch Planet. Some of the essays in there are phenomenal. And it gives you a much deeper appreciation of what is in the, the actual stories. So this is called uh, The Beginning of a Journey. It's the shepherd and codename, well, not codename, but small name, Apocatastasis. I probably butchered that, but anyways. it's. I, a, I think you got it first try. Possibly. It's a, it's a Greek word, and it basically means a, a complete restoration. So what we have here is a story about a, a man, a professor, which is obviously based somewhat on, on Andrea himself because it's a, a teacher of a theologian. And writer, and so th- while he's out at uh, teaching a, a class late in the evening, his son goes is, says he's only going to go out to the movies, but winds up going to a party. And at that party, he tries some drugs and wind up and winds up ODing on those drugs. So this is a reality that many people have to go through because. Kids will experiment with things, and in that experimentation, sometimes it goes horribly wrong. And the kids, even though it might be someone who's never tried it, will die. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, it was very well done. And then when you look at the impact that it had on the family, that was equally well done. Because I kind of thought a lot as I was reading it of uh, what dreams may come. With Robin Williams. Right. Which was brilliant because it showed how one of the parents slipped into this depression that they simply could not get out of. And the other one, while they would have wanted to be able to do the same thing, had to be the responsible one and hold the rest of the family together. And that's what we have here. And the professor is the one that is just losing it. And is in this depression that he simply cannot get out of. He blames himself for it as well. Thinks that there's obviously things that you think about when a precious one passes away. You think there's there's something I could have done. A lot of these scenes and stuff was hard to read and not because it was poorly written for pretty much the exact opposite reason. Yeah. Yeah. We've all gone through kind of similar things for the most part and lost people due to a variety of reasons. And you realize just, again, that impact that it has. And there is that, I don't want to say tendency, but there's that wanting to just sink and just keep sinking and not give a rat's ass about anything else. But again, if you have a family, you don't have that quote-unquote luxury you have to be to power through it kind of thing and so that's what the wife does so he finds out that he finds out who the the the, well a who had the party and then loses it on him finds out about who the dealer was and tries to go beat the crap out of him that doesn't work out so well and then he realizes that he, he comes to this decision that what he needs to do is actually kill himself because he feels that his son is kind of in between. He hasn't gone off to a quote unquote heaven and that he's just kind of hanging around and that there's something that's unresolved. He has this very strong feeling about that. And he feels the only way that he can help 
is by himself dying and then finding his son and trying to help him through to the other side, essentially kind of thing. Now, one of the things that I was really worried about here, and I worried is the wrong term, but especially because it was a smaller press thing, is that it might get too preachy. Not too mm-hmm. religious, but too preachy. There's a big, big difference there because, I mean, I love reading about religions. And ironically, in the last couple of days, I've had very, very phenomenal, just great discussions with people about Buddhism and about Christianity and different things. And it shows that if everybody goes in with a respectful attitude, you can have great conversations about religion. And that's I, – I love that kind of stuff and I like reading about it as well. It's when it gets preachy. That's when you're like, ah, you know, you were doing well, but now you're on a soapbox, and I yeah. don't, I don't like that. It didn't do that at no, all. Not, not at any point. Exactly. So it was like great because that was when I read up on on um, Andrea. Of course, when you you, you read that his studies are in theology and and things like that and it was like oh i don't want to hold that against you but i'm really really hoping that it doesn't do that that it doesn't (laughs) preach and he didn't he nailed every aspect of this story because you get taken on a hell of a ride with this father in the not afterlife but he kind of is but isn't because he just comes Mm -hmm. back to earth but as this ghost there's certainly a lot of cliched elements but i don't think you can tell this type of story without a certain yeah, amount of cliches how, how do you do it <laughs> yeah I, we're we're both writers of you know various success but i i can't think of a way to tell the story without touching on at least some of those tropes yeah and the thing is with this kind of story as well too, again, so long as it's well-written, the tropes offer a certain amount of familiarity, which we need when dealing with this kind of situation. So understanding that when you die, you're going to go to some form of limbo afterlife. There's going to be rules based on if you killed yourself or how you died, you might see loved ones and all those things which are again, tropes of that type of story, we need those in the story so that we can see, you know, where the path ends and where we should be walking along. And so in that regard, it was, it was again, very well written. And he did some original stuff as well, such as with the wolf demon beast that follows him around and that relationship between the two, which at times was even funny kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. still profound and gave him uh, an outlet to share his feelings with because otherwise there would have been a lot of narration and this is essentially narration but in a way it's not because he's talking to this other being yeah I mean, it's very much a one-sided conversation but that still gives the reader a very different feeling yeah and then you have the moments with his family as well which while it was not unexpected, it was still the moment where he's on the swing with his son. You're like, oh, damn, that was well done. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it, touching. very small moment, but very well done. And then so forth. The The entire seeking out justice and going further and further up the chain with the drug dealers and the drug suppliers and so forth. Again, 
a lot of cliches based on who he's dealing with. But I like the way it was handled in terms of not necessarily killing everybody, but mm-hmm. using the staff that he gets from his father as a means of essentially showing them exactly what the impact is of their actions. So it, it, it's a ghostwriter thing. Yeah. It's the yeah. pen and stare is that how I look at it. But and you also have that escalation of, you know, the righteous vengeance It the first, you know, couple acts of this felt very much like your traditional comic book story, not necessarily a superhero story, but that traditional story of, you know, wronged family member goes back for vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Again, in in, 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 in a well-executed way, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So I I don't want to spoil too much of this. It's it's not that it's brand new. We, We could, but in all honesty, I actually would strongly urge people to check this out. It's published by Caliber Comics, and I'll have some links that I'll put in the show notes. I'll I'll probably reach out to Andrea again and and see what the easiest way to pick this up is, because I don't know if it's on Comixology. That might be the best way if it is. But I actually would tell people, definitely check this out. It's very well written. The essays, if you're into that are really quite good. I will disagree with Andrea in that you don't need to read it in order to know the story, but you certainly get a lot more from the story if you do read them. It's something that I I really enjoyed because much like you, I I feel that, you know, religion is a good basis for discussion as well as storytelling. If you can make it palatable to everyone and not, at least not preachy and whatnot. And this really, you know, carried that balance. And yeah, the the essays definitely heightened my enjoyment, but yeah, I I wouldn't say that I was missing out if I hadn't read them, but I am still glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, the art in this, cause he was saying as well in one of the things that he wrote in it, how they, they had to switch out their, their artists as well. Initially, when I was looking at it, I was going, mm, not so sure. But man, yeah, did it ever, here. it grew on me fast. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't long that I was looking at this going, this is awesome. The, the art is really well, well done. He does show some panels that were done by the original artist. Without insulting the ones who did the work, I do actually prefer who they would have gone with beforehand, but still the art is very well done. The colors, especially I found were really brought the story to life because yeah, between the dog and the staff, it really helped like pop. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it set the mood for whatever the scene was because some of them, there's a lot of sepia tone say, or, or different things like that. And you, it really set the mood for whatever scene it was. So again, mm-hmm. help support smaller publishers, smaller writers and things like that, because this is actually worth reading. It was really good. I do encourage people to check it out for sure. Definitely. Let's move on. Before we get into our what we're reading, we are a little late to this conversation because, again, we missed last week. But, man, people lost their <laughs> over Captain America. <laughs> oh, my God. No kidding. Like, this is – And it's <laughs> – when you're talking about people getting death threats from people who claim to be ex-Marines, okay, because of this, you're going, you people have, are taking Cap a little too seriously here. Like, seriously. Well, I mean, sadly, it's nothing we haven't seen before. Like, I'm tired of hating things I'm supposed to like just because of the people who like them with me. <laughs> like, I mean, video games, comic books, movies, like this 
this has just become society at this point and it's it's freaking depressing man yeah like for if you live under a rock it's basically strongly hinted that cap was in hydra but you really don't have a, like all of the details mm-hmm. did did you read the actual issue i did yeah would you have if there wasn't all this controversy uh, actually, yes, I was planning on reading it. Okay. But I certainly, was planning on passing on it. Oh, I, I, it was a number one and I was like, and you know what, especially with having just seen Civil War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's check it out and see what they're doing with it. Not to necessarily read it, stick with it. Although now because yeah, of this, it, exactly. now I am sticking with it because I want to know. It did its job better than any comic I can think of in a long time. Oh, hell yeah. 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 It, again. Really, it was as a hook to get you back. I mean, even Stan Lee was saying that, you know, like, yeah, it's it, it did its job. Was it a good idea to do, though? That's a whole different question. Now, without even yes. getting into whether whether death threats are appropriate, because a never, yeah, that's never not appropriate. A no, but was it appropriate for that character to flip him like that? Let's just assume that, yeah. He has been a double agent and they somehow activated him or he made a decision or whatever. Does it A, make sense based on his history and B, is it a good story element idea? For me, I'm thinking it doesn't make sense, especially when you look at the the breadth of experience that he had as a good guy kind of thing Mm -hmm. and not a Nazi. (laughs) And, but was it a good idea to do just to for the publicity and to have fun with the character? I'm on the fence on that one just because of how iconic that character is for representing everything that's good and what that will do for not just him but the Avengers, which is the, that's that's fairly big. The impact right. of this is huge. See, I'm of two minds on this. On one hand, I look at, you know, Superior Spider-Man, which is one of the more obvious parallels we can draw, and that by the time Superior Spider-Man was over, I cared way more about Peter Parker than I ever have, but they were taking Peter Parker out of that equation. Exactly. From what I've seen, they're not taking Steve Rogers out of this equation. On the other hand, like having actually read the issue in question and seeing it in context, I can see how they can make a case for this fitting and that the, because we've seen over the years, there's been numerous different branches of Hydra under various leaders as cap himself even says in this issue, this new version of Hydra under the red skulls leadership is different from what we've seen before. And with these flashbacks he has to when he was a kid and his mom and all this stuff, I I think they're going to try to make a case that there are or there's at least one branch of Hydra that maybe isn't as evil as the others. So I I think if – listen, I'm not defending it as like being a good idea, but I'm saying they might be able to make a case for it to make sense. I would believe that had he not thrown a good guy out the window. Listen, it's Jack Flag. I mean – Can he fly? He can fall. 
This is what I'm saying. <laughs> he can go curse splat on yeah, I, the roof somewhere. Listen, I, it, it's something that I'm going to have to see in context how they do it. Now, personally, as I've said many times, I don't have a lot of faith in Nick Spencer as a drama writer. He's a great comedy writer in my eyes, but I can't think of anything serious he's written that I've enjoyed for more than a few issues. So I'm hesitant, but I'm going to give it the chance it deserves to tell its story. I see if he had knocked out the other guy or Mm -hmm. something like that, then I'd be like, okay. Okay, I can I can buy into this and and let's just roll with it and see what happens. But it's not. He shot him out of a flying plane <laughs> without a parachute. So it's like okay, this is this is different. This is not just you know, cap putting on an act so that he can be taken to their home base or whatever. So there's far too much going on here that I'm like, mm, I don't know. It I, to be very honest, it came off not as a clever plot twist, but as a gimmick. That's how I felt reading it. That's not mm-hmm. always bad, but it's far lazier writing, and it doesn't always work. Listen, as a gimmick, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Yo, oh, no kidding. As a gimmick, it did its job. As a story, we'll see. Yeah, and, That's and the it, best I can say. Yeah, and it really angered off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you see the, the 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 what was it a tweet or a message that was sent from the that ex marine? Yeah. To, holy, f- wow! <laughs> like when I <laughs> when it gets to the last paragraph, because when you're reading initially and this, I want to live my my life by those ideas. You're going, okay, I can respect that to a certain degree. You know, it's not a fandom for Cap so much as those ideas and wanting to represent those in real life. So it's like. Awesome. That's that's good. But that last paragraph where it's like, now I'm going to ditch all of that, which I'm going like, okay, that was a hell of a leap. And I'm coming to kill you. And I'm going, whoa, this guy's off his meds. <laughs> like, this okay. is not normal. <laughs> For the record, because I had to look it up because I know very little about Jack Flag. I know him during his brief time with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I did appreciate them throwing that little bit of trivia into the issue. His powers are derived from Dr. Zabo's Hyde formula which give him superhuman durability. He is able to withstand impact and blunt force trauma to a much greater degree than a human. For instance, he can withstand impacts such as falling from a height of several stories, powerful concussive blasts, and being repeatedly struck by a superhumanly strong foe. I think we can operate under the assumption that Steve Rogers knows this. Right. So then it's possible that it was part of the act. It's possible. I'm curious Again, it's yes. it did its job. I am yes. curious and I want to see where it's going to go from here. So, and which I have never <laughs> said that about a Captain America story. Plain and simple, I haven't been this interested in a Captain America story since Bucky came back. Yeah, and I don't I don't really care for Bucky, so sorry Hannah, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other one that I wanted to talk about that actually pissed me off, not to the degree that I I, I know where you're going friend. with this. Okay, what, what am I going to say? I, I just to know to see if you we know each other that well. Friggin' Genki. What the hell, Genki? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? And I don't blame Genki. It's freaking Bendis. What is it with Bendis and him needing to out his characters via their 
they're secondary characters or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, cause that's a Bendis thing now. Same as freaking outing Bobby, which was a horrible freaking stupid idea. And now this, now the whole, you wouldn't understand because you're a thin bit. Listen, I understand fat shaming. I understand what people have to put up with who are larger, all of that. Trust me, get it, sympathize. And I don't, I don't mock, I don't, you know, but this idea of you wouldn't understand because you're thin and that's why I love this guy so much fell way flat, especially when he's arguing, he's like, I'm blocking Hispanic. Do you really (laughs) want to have this argument? But then the whole bit then with him telling him just felt so out of character. Had it been in character, had it been something that you could see the character doing, then it'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But knowing that this has now become a thing that Bendis freaking does, it was such piss poor writing that it pissed me off. I I think I finally realized what's been bugging me so much over these last few months between the whole I don't want to be the black Spider-Man bit and now this with Genki and, you know, the the body issues and the other racial issues involved is that. I appreciate that Bendis wants to be inclusive in his writing and he does a better job of it than the vast majority of anybody else in major comics at the very least. But now what I'm realizing that really is frustrating me with him is that he feels the need for us to know exactly these things. Yep. It, it, and that's what's really bothering me. Like I can't I can't take it seriously because I – whether intended or not, it feels like he's being insincere about it. It is quite literally, and and I thought the very same thing as I was reading it, because a like he did have, a, well, he still does, black Hispanic Spider Man, a an Asian sidekick that is, let's be honest, more lovable than Miles <laughs> even as a character, and all of the other people who we've seen come up at different times. Some good characters, some bad characters, like his uncle and different things. And it has been this inclusive story arc going on, but now it's like he's holding a neon sign over his head when he's walking with a big arrow. And like, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And is being completely disingenuous to his characters as well. Like, this was just, again, I can't get over this. Piss poor writing. It was horrible writing i it, it just was it ticked me off because again it's not one of those things like cap where i'd be like you ruined the character and all that stupid bullshit. no no it's not that it's you did a bad job and with what the affront is the bad writing not that the character did it so mm-hmm. had it been say the ex-girlfriend who did this or whatever would be like man that was that made sense and it's screwed up now for miles what's he gonna do that would have made perfect sense but this did not make sense at all and it pissed me off to no end mm-hmm. i god i hate to use this analogy but it's the first thing that comes to mind when karen page revealed daredevil's secret identity it made sense it wasn't good because of the circumstances but it made sense this is basically the same as foggy nelson Revealing Daredevil's identity is is a, is a good way to, to look at it, right? I yeah, not cool, not cool at all. Now, actually, I have a whole bunch of other ones that I'd like to talk about. But it, it's been a while. Go for it. No, I no, a lot. no. Time time is not on our side here for that, so I'll save them for next week. 
I do have right. one other thing that I want to talk about, though. Did you see X-Men Apocalypse? Indeed, I did. Were you as disappointed as I was? It's interesting now that I like there's a lot that in the moment I enjoyed. But like as soon as every scene was over. It it lost any sort of. Impact it had like the, the entire movie was utterly meaningless. Oh, it was in so many ways. It 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 was complete nonsense throughout. It was just a jumbled mess of a story that wasn't even. It, it, they didn't even try <laughs> to make it. Remember how happy we were that they were simplifying continuity in these movies? Yeah. After the last one, like, oh, we don't have to worry about any of this crap. We can just enjoy a movie. No. No. What's funny is that I mean, when you look at what they're trying to accomplish with this. This is their civil war kind of thing, something epic in scope that they try to do and freaking apocalypse put a crap load of X-Men in there or whatever. Try to make it something that maybe works with some of the continuity kind of thing because freaking X-Men continuity in movies is such a jumbled mess. It's unbelievable. So anyways, there was that expectation of. Another kind of civil war story that's going to be all right. This is going to be epic. Let's have some fun here. And watching this and going, what the hell is going on? Like, this is not in terms of I can't figure it out, but in terms of it was very easy to follow. <laughs> there, There's no story to speak of. The characters are two dimensional. A lot of the actors phoned in their performances oh, like Lawrence. You really get the impression like this was her last oh. of the three movies that she was signed for. Fox had to hold that contract over her head and basically forced her to make this movie. Yeah, because she she, she did not want to make it. And she McAvoy a, didn't either. Yeah, don't uh, don't expect her in the next X Men because uh, she hates doing uh, these. Although credit where it's due, Michael Fassbender will always give it his all, no matter how poorly written the role is. <laughs> See, this is the other thing. Now, if you didn't watch the movie and if you haven't tuned out yet, and trust me, I'm going to spoil a couple of things here. When he goes off on his Magneto rage rampage, which A, makes no sense. Yes, you lost your wife and and daughter. Okay, you murderized a whole bunch of people there that were responsible. Maybe you decided you were going to kill a few other people. Okay, whatever. When Apocalypse... Don't try to stop me from killing every single one of these people. <laughs> when he is like lifting all of the metal in like around the world in different cities, he's killing millions of people. Literally cities are being laid. It, it was just waste. a hissy fit. It, it's okay. But at the end of the show, it's like Xavier's like, like all right, Charles, see you later, okay, buddy. You can come back if you want. It'll always be doors always open. He go, he killed millions of people. Like what the hell? It was, it was so ridiculous. And then I didn't like the actress who played Jean like at all. No, I, she was, ridiculous in this role and then it had to be phoenix yeah who oh takes him down God. has to be phoenix it can't be anything else so phoenix takes him out it, but, it can't have anything to do with any of the other character development we've tried to do in this movie we need a literal deus ex machina yeah because it comes out of nowhere and so all of a sudden phoenix but no explanation of 
Phoenix. No explanation of if it's no. the Phoenix Force or she just decided to look like a flaming fucking <laughs> bird when she took him out. Dude who played Scott, ugh, wasn't I a fan. I will say, it's the least I've ever hated Cyclops. Probably That's not a compliment. True. Not a compliment. But it's the but... least I've ever hated him. Yeah. And then you have, of course, again, Lawrence playing Mystique, which she dialed that <laughs> in. And they had a chance because Marvel has come under the gun for this time and time again. And still it's happening when we look at not just Civil War, but what they're going to be doing with Doctor Strange. They had a chance here. We're going to have people of color. We're going to have Asian people in here. We're going to have Jubilee shows up. Freaking, uh, they did such a big deal with Psylocke showing her off in, in different posters, trailers, everything else. You got a new storm in there. None of them matter. None of them. They're all window dressing in the back. that yeah. are quickly forgotten. The people who are at the front, whole bunch of white dudes and, and, and Nightcrawler, but that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, technically Nightcrawler still counts as a white guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cause yeah, it was, that was it. And I like Nightcrawler though. He wasn't bad. Storm, I wasn't crazy about the actress in the role. I, mm. Part of it was also she just wasn't given enough, certainly. But yeah, aside from her five-minute scene in Cairo, she was nothing. Yeah. Psylocke, oh, we love Olivia, Olivia Munn. I mean, who doesn't? Honestly, she's just phenomenal and loved her so much in the newsroom. And then when you'd heard that she passed up the girlfriend role in Deadpool because she didn't want to just be a girlfriend. She wanted to be have more importance to her character and then find out she was going to be a Psylocke. I was like, you go girl. Good for you. That's fantastic. Now you measure those two roles against <laughs> each other. And yeah, girlfriend role in Deadpool was, she was a girlfriend, but that woman was strong as hell. Independent mm-hmm. was not ashamed of who she was, of her sexuality, of nothing. It was a great role for what's her name. An hour from Firefly. I can't remember her name. And um, this I mean, she did she even have more than one or two lines? I don't yeah. even remember more than two. No. I only remember really it, it one. Was, it was just angry look in the background. That yeah. was her role. Some fight scenes. And, of course, they decided. It, oh, God. At t- listen, top to bottom, the action and the special effects in this movie were garbage. Yeah. And they the had... only good action scene was Weapon X. Which didn't belong in there. No, it was it was, <laughs> it was so oh my obviously God. shoehorned that in was horrible. for the specific role thing of getting Hugh Jackman a credit. It was awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it did not they, belong. They literally took the X Men out of the mansion, flew them hundreds of miles into the mountains just to have that one scene. Because there was oh. no reason whatsoever for any of that to be in the movie. Yeah. It was so horrible when I saw it happening. Had he stuck around past mm-hmm. that, I would have thought, okay, that was a hell of an intro. Yes. But he's freaking gone after that and it's done. And you're like, what just happened? What was – that was just to make money here by advertising he's in this. It was horribly stupid. And that pissed me off even more because that scene would have been a hundred times better if we didn't know he was in the movie. The thing too – If the trailer hadn't sold us Wolverines in this movie, that scene would have been even better. The thing too is that at the end of Days of Future Pass, it's not Stryker pulling him out of the river. It's Mystique 
How then does Stryker get his hands on him for the Weapon X program? Ask questions. Clearly the, the writers didn't. No, no, listen. So this is you, this is good. Listen. There was a oh, quote, okay? Got head cannons. <laughs> From the writer producer Simon Kinberg. And he told Cinema Blind, he says, one of the things we talked about in Days of Future Past, there's a scene where Hank Beast talks about the Im- immuta- immuta- oh my God, immutability, immutability, whatever, of time. Basically, you can change the way the future goes, but it finds its way back. So while we don't know how, we don't show how, it found its way back to Wolverine being part of Weapon X and under the thumb of Striker. That's the idea. Wow, way to freaking cheat. That is the laziest goddamn writing that excuse that I've heard in a long, long time. That is horrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, I I was like super disappointed in this, like beginning to end. I can't say I was disappointed because oh, I, I had set the bar pretty low based on the trailers. The I, trailers were completely uninteresting to me. I actually did not watch a lot of the trailers. I watched some, but I, I'm starting to watch less of things as it gets closer to release just so that mm-hmm. I can enjoy it because Deadpool was one of those for me. I'd seen way too much on it, and then it was like as I'm watching it, it was like, oh, yeah, it's funny, but I saw See, it like, I, I, five I, I times. Have, I have my – I'll watch the official US release trailers and nothing else. I won't watch the TV shorts. I won't watch the international trailers. I'll give each movie two to three trailers and nothing more. Well, I – did not know enough going in and was horribly disappointed. And and let's be honest, bored out of my mind throughout most of this. Mm-hmm. And post-credit scenes leading up to potentially oh, Mr. Sinister. Goodness. Listen, I love Mr. Sinister, mm-hmm. but come on. <laughs> They're uh, like, this, this needs to go back to Marvel, this IP, so that they can make some sense out of it and do something good with it. Because <laughs> in an interview happening. Monday night, Brian Singer is sick of making X-Men movies. Really? Guess guess what, Brian? We're sick of so you making we. them. Yeah. <laughs> God. All right. What do you got for the week? Uh, the only other thing I want to add in is the latest issue of Ms. Marvel because this is everything I want and need out of comic books. It's It's just a bunch – it's a goofy, silly adventure about these young characters – just having fun and finding themselves as people, as superheroes. I continue to love this comic. I like Miles better in this comic than I do in his <laughs> own. I it's I, I don't think I'm going too far to say it's probably my favorite Marvel comic right now. Cool. Awesome. And anybody who knows me knows that's a pretty uh awkward choice given my certain love of other characters awesome i'm actually a couple of issues behind on it right now and it's also a thing that we don't see in comics these days so many comics have their structure of here's a big story here's a big story you know this was just like a one-shot issue there were no super villains there was no threats to the city it was just like an in-between issue, self-contained story that was still a ton of fun and utterly fantastic. Cool. Okay. So four new releases for the week. On the Marvel side, we've got A-Force number six, all new, all different Avengers number 10, all new Wolverine number nine, Amazing Spider-Man number 13, Civil War two, number one of seven, Hawkeye versus Deadpool number one. I got it. I got to read that. If it's If it's half as good as Spider-Man and Deadpool, I'll probably enjoy it. Moon Knight number three, Old Man Logan number seven, and Spider Woman Omega number one. Don't know what that is, but if it's not written by 
What is it? Hopeless? I'll read it. <laughs> Isn't that the crossover with Silk? I have no idea what that one is. I'll check it out and see. On the image side, we've got Deadly, Deadly Class number 21, goddamn f- number four. I hate Fairyland coloring book trade paperback because oh why not? <laughs> and Paper Girls number six. From Dynamite, we've got a new one called Control number one of six, which sounds actually kind of interesting and kind of a detective story. IDW, we've got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything number one. I don't know if it'll be any good, but we can see. And from Titan, we got a whole bunch of different gaming IP and uh, TV and movie stuff. There's Assassin's Creed Templars number three, Dark Souls number two, Deus Ex Children's Crusade number four of five, Doctor Who the Fourth Doctor number three of five, and Independence Day number four of five. And from Valiant, more importantly, 4001 AD number two of four. That's the one that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We really enjoyed it a lot. It has a lot of potential. So yeah, definitely checking that one out. And that is going to wrap it up for the week. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can find the show notes at Comic Book Informer. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Also on Twitter at, com- at CB Informer. I am also Zen Buddhist on Twitter, and he is Samodian. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs>